Hello, everybody who is listening, and thank you for joining another episode of The Plump Serpent, the podcast about nature, connection, self-empowerment, and well-being, with your host, Isabel Bloom, and my guest today, Meg Beeler. Meg Beeler is a shamanic guide, mentor, and author, drawing on her lifelong passion for soul healing, heart opening, and reweaving the connections between all beings. She helps clients heal energy, soul, and spirit. Meg is the author of the book, Weave the Heart of the Universe into Your Life, Aligning with Cosmic Energy. And her next book is Harmony Within and Without, How to Find Heart, Radiance and Renewal in a Troubled World. And she's also the founder of Earth Caretakers Wisdom School and creator of Energy Alchemy. Meg lives in Sonoma, California, United States of America. Hello, Meg, and welcome to the Plumped Serpent. Hello, Isabel, and thank you very much for having me. Hello to everybody listening. It's nice yeah. to be here. It's really wonderful to talk to you. And before we dive deeper into the conversation, as a shamanic guide, I invite you to open the space for us. Oh, thank you. So if everyone listening could face the east where the sun rises, and open your heart. Receiving the rays of the sun. Receiving the winds that arise when the sun comes. And greeting the elements. And imagine facing the south. The place of transformation and transmutation. The place of fire. And turn and greet the West, the place of water, our deep feelings and emotions, the ebb and flows of life. And turn and face the North, connecting your roots into the earth, our home. In the center, we greet the ancestors and the descendants and all the other living beings seen and unseen, who are with us all the time. All these beings support us and want us to have deeper connections and want us to find our way. So open your hearts to them and welcome them and welcome each other. Thank you. Thank you very much for this very, very lovely <laughs> uh, opening up of the space. The heart is, is very present in your work. How is your perception of the heart? And what is the quality of the heart that is nowadays very much needed? Mm. 
so I think the heart is present in my work because shamanism is about seeing from the heart. And what that means is two things. One is that you see beyond the ordinary, you see beyond the veils into the other parallel worlds. And the other is that you see with your whole being in essence, rather than just your mind. It's a really important, and that's what's so important in the world today that we've, Westerners have, have valued mind and done many good things with mind. And we've so gone over the edge with mind that we don't know our own feelings. We don't know how to embody anything. And as one of my teachers said, when you're in your heart, you cannot argue. And I think about that a lot. It's, it's very, very true. And, and that's why I believe the heart, finding our heart and being in our heart and living in our heart is so important for the transformation of the earth. Because without that heart component, um, the, the, uh, it's unlikely that the politics and the technology are going to uh, uh, step up enough. So what I see more and more, especially in the last two years when we've been able to be hunkered down um, is this urgency to really find coherence with each other and really find our hearts and really open ourselves to all the living beings. Those are the, the components of shifting our consciousness. It's also a lot about connection, right? Right. On different levels, there is this connection within ourselves, within all our different layers within all our different bodies. And as you mentioned before, we are very much like just simply in the upper parts of our beings, very much in the mind space and all the other bodies are kind of neglected and separated. And it's also this connection with all other beings, with, with, with the spirits, with, with the other dimensions, with all this, yeah, this, this, multi-dimensional um, reality we are we are living in and we just yeah we just focused on one one simple linear reality and this in my perception is kind of crumbling down for more and more people they are aware that there is more than they perceive how is that in your experience and also in the work with your clients. The crumbling or the connection? Both. Oh. I love it. You're very, you're listening very accurately. I love that. <laughs> um, thank you. So the connection is what sustains. And you and I both had the experience as young children of being outside, but uh, as you describe it, 
mostly only being in the physical. Um, as a young child, I had a lot of imagination. I had a jungle I played in, not a real jungle, but a jungle of trees. And um, I imagined seeing like an eagle. And then that, I don't know what happened to that, but as a young adult, um, I didn't have that anymore. So I was a gardener, I was a backpacker and a hiker. I did all these physical things with the earth and I was very connected that way. You know, connecting with, with your body and your feet, especially backpacking, you feel like a mule most of the time. And that, um, that sensation, I mean, it's kind of silly, but it's really, was really important to being grounded for me. Um, but when I discovered uh, and, and had some doors open to other realities and other dimensions, I realized that those parallel worlds were even more, um, they were both more exciting and uh, more vast in terms of the support and connection that could arise. So that's, I've been exploring that ever since. And what I noticed in myself, uh, whether it's connecting with a physical tree and, and getting grounded that way or um, traveling, you know, in other dimensions, all of it is a way of getting out of the small self and, and opening yourself to all these other realities. And the bigger you are, this has been a theme this last two years, getting bigger. It's, I, I haven't gotten very many good words for it, but the sense of getting bigger, getting out of my small self, my body, my little ego, and, and opening and opening and opening is just hugely sustaining and nurturing. So it's very, um, you know, self-interest to do that at the bottom line. So for my, my clients, often people come with, you know, we start with the small, the suffering that we're carrying and we're trying to heal that. And, and my particular way of doing that, besides using soul retrieval and energy healing and so on, my particular way is to continually teach my clients little tools so they can reconnect and connect in different ways and find whether it's a visualization uh, with the elements or a practice of exchanging energy with a tree or um, you know many other possibilities so giving people tools to empower themselves so I you know somebody goes home from my session they feel great and then something happens if they have practiced some way of uh, reconnecting themselves, they can move out of the, the kind of suffering or, or uh, what's the word I want? Um, of this reactive having, automatic responses they have. Yeah, the, the, the stories that mm -hmm. overtake us, the heaviness that fills yes. our heart, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so long as you have some tools to use to shift your attention, 
you can come back to your center. You can come back to your path and keep going. So, um, so that's, that's the way I personally move through uh, the chaos and disintegration in my own life at various times. And I know not just how much it works internally, but how old friends say you were really different than you used to be. <laughs> so, so I trust that and I've seen it work with many other people too. So we just keep going. And you also follow certain traditions, right? You have connections to the Peruvian tradition traditions. Is right. that right? So with your tools and your toolbox, you also have this very vast uh, history of, of experience that is flowing into, into these um, sharings you can offer offer yourself and also others. Yeah, what I noticed um, from all those experiences, um, at this point, whether I'm talking to you or working with a client or doing a ceremony, um, the, the energy and what to do next really just flows through me. I am not thinking about it. I mean, I plan the logistics. If I'm doing a ceremony, I plan the logistics and the timing and all that. But when I'm in it, uh, spirit is moving. And that's a really fun experience, as, as I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's uh, for somebody who's an introvert, it's, it's, I have a lot of gratitude that the wisdom just flows through. I don't have to like think about what I should say or what I should do next much. You know, it's like you have a, a surround a little, you have a, an idea or a structure and then within that everything can go. And the more, the longer I work shamanically, the more I've felt the spirits coming and responding, which is really, really fun. I was doing a, um, several years ago, I, I was called to do a series of star despacho. A, a despacho is an offering in, in the Andes. And this particular offering was for the star beings to come and help us. So we were on a nearby mountain, a group of us sitting on these rocks and we're trying to make an offering on the ground and it's windy. So everybody has their hands all over everything so it doesn't blow away. And at a certain point, we weren't done yet, but at a certain point, uh, the nature of the wind totally changed. And I understood that the wind was now working with us. It stopped blowing and, and we were in alignment. So that's an example of the kind of thing that happens. Um, and alignment is a big deal. Being aligned in yourself, being aligned with your family, being aligned with your home and your land, being aligned with the people around you. Uh, it's a practice for sure. And it's also a gradual process. Yes. It's also like, I mean, as a, a you as a as a being who is on a shamanic journey, you are very familiar with 
the with the process of of, of death and rebirth. Um, so you constantly constantly some parts of yourself or your conditioned being constantly die die off and are are kind of dissolving also so you're getting more aware of this of this constant inter, inter, interchange between everything and in my perception this this is one of the hardest aspects for for many people because they are so attached to the idea of the person, to the to the cultural idea, what shall I be? How shall I behave? How shall I look? And and all these aspects. So this constant um, gradual process of this uh, death and rebirth is, I think, is a key element. Mm. I uh, for a long time, I, I, for a long time, I've had what I call a practice of dismemberment. Mm. Um, I didn't set out to have this practice. It was really more, um, dismemberment is, is a conscious uh, letting go of ego and physical self. And it's a practice that's worldwide. In, in Buddhism, it's called chud. And, and people do it as a way to get, do what you're just talking about, get out of your ego and be connected with everything. Um, I learned it in something that I did with Sander Ingerman for many years called Medicine for the Earth. And I realized when I first was instructed in how to do this, that it had already happened to me in Peru. My very first trip, we were, my teacher was a kind of wild poet and uh, he told us to sit on some rocks one day and meditate. And I had this experience of totally disintegrating, floating down the big river and just being, you know, like a piece of dirt on the ground. And I thought, oh, what am I gonna do? You know, what's gonna happen? And I then I saw myself being uh, reformed and rising like a phoenix. And this was a totally spontaneous thing. I never even heard of doing this. You know, I'd heard mm -hmm. of phoenixes, but um, so I had that experience and we were about to go into, from the mountains into the jungle. So I knew it was a really important uh, metaphor, which is what shamanism is all about. So I held that as I went into the jungle and, and more, uh, you know, disintegration happened, not in a bad way, but just uh, a transformation that allows you to step into a different way of being. So, so as a practice, um, I periodically will do, intentionally do a journey where I ask to be dismembered and either my power animals or one of the elements will come and uh, pull me apart. It sometimes is very, very vivid. Um, and you're like seeing yourself bones being pulled apart and gnawed or whatever. It's a little odd, but um, that just happens until there's nothing there. And then some, somehow you're reconfigured. And every time that happens, like you said, uh, that conditioned self 
is altered and the spirits might uh, put a crystal in your heart or one time I was given a new heart or, you know, there are many different, there's no kind of predictable thing, but, but all of those experiences are feeding the possibility of transformation. And the more you transform out of your small self, your ego, or at least don't have so much attachment to it, it's like always there, but, but you also have this other larger self. The more that happens, the more I think we're able to step onto our path and not be worried about how people see us or whether we're doing the same thing as somebody else or all that kind of acculturation that we worry about fitting in. It helps when you never fit in to begin with. Yes, it's <laughs> it's a kind of very helpful, but also very challenging. <laughs> and it also needs it also needs a kind of strength, you know, to bear this. Um, I remember when I was a child, I was. For example, I was I was never a child that was very much attracted to groups or to to be a part of a group. You're not this peer thing. You are, you know, you you belong to this very, <laughs> very yeah. um, attractive group. Everybody wants to join that and these kind of things. Um, but it was interesting. Because when you acted this way, you oh, you 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 perceived how the others see you, and there, you you perceive that they're kind of very interested in this way of being, like you can be on your own. Mm. But they also were kind of um, afraid um, because they 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 couldn't quite handle it. They they didn't know how to how to deal with that, you know. And it was very interesting. You were always kind of this um, this walking this walking between uh, between two worlds or this walking mm. on a rope, you know, <laughs> it was always like this kind of feeling, and yeah, it I I mean it needs some strength um, because yeah, you're I kind think... of in a constant struggle, you know, with yourself and with all that is around you, and yeah. I think one of the the difficulties, mostly it doesn't bother me, but I live in a, not a village, but not a very big town. And I've lived here for 16 years now. And I left a community where I'd been many years and I've never been able to build close relationships in my town. And you know, I reflect on that periodically because I have a lot of interests. You know, I'm interested in art. I'm a writer. I go to the gym, etc. But I have, instead of having one interest, I have many interests, and <laughs> and I'm not normal, and I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not normalcy so is questionable. <laughs> it's not. Once in a while, I'll have a day where I think, oh, I don't have any friends. And that lasts about one day. <laughs> then I go out and talk to a tree or whatever. Yes. <laughs> but um, it's just sort of a reality. 
Yeah, like you, that, that what you're describing, that distance, curiosity and distance, um, you just kind of expect that and, and it happens. I had, I'm thinking of a woman who was one of my t teachers at the gym and she was always saying, oh, we should get together, but then she never really did it. And that was an example of, of uh, her ambivalence about me and I didn't take it personally so it wasn't really a problem. And over time, I learned how to just say, oh, yeah, we should do that. And then not think yes. about it again. Yeah. But this is really something that, that is get, getting more and more obvious in, in, in my perception. Because I, I guess you also have a kind of certain quality around you that, that, that is kind of magnetic, but also kind of. Um, pushing away in a certain sense because it, because it is kind of pulsing, you know, pul pul pulsating. And there is this magnetic aspect, but also this kind of, um, what's the English word, where it's just pushing you back, you know, and this kind of dance uh, also between human beings um, when you're not aware of that, it's it's very hard for people. They, they are not used to that. Well, I like to think of the pulsing. When you say pulsing, I think of our internal radiance. Mm. When I can stay in my luminous, shining self and just be present with that wherever I'm going, uh, it... The attraction people feel is, it's kind of calming for them, but it's not, doesn't have that pushing away quality, I don't think. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and more and more, my work is focused on not doing, but being. Mm -hmm. I've been, been part of a group of five women all during COVID who we all knew each other and we've done similar work over the years and, you know, had an interaction, but um, I called them together early on in COVID and said, do you want to start working? We, when, one time we had created this pyramid over, that was kind of over the Bay area and I invited everybody who'd done it to gather. And so five of us have been gathering every week and we're we're doing a combination of meditation and shamanic journey but but the learning that we've had over and over and over again and deepening is about being that whatever we're trying to heal it's being present and that's the same message in 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 buddhism really to be present fully present in the moment and that's very hard too yes even even in a journey. Last night, uh, my journey group um, has a sister circle in Australia and we decided to go where we were invited by the sister circle um, to go to, to, um, to Scotland to COP26. And there were a lot of qualities that we were carrying, playfulness, hanging out, time, uh, you know, some other ones that so we, we kind of had this intention to carry all that and then see what happened. So we traveled there 
and everybody has their own journey, but several, at least half of us went into a large room in the building and really found ourselves holding space. And even in that, it was very powerful, but there were a couple of times, even in that focus where I found myself wandering. I was really, I was surprised because uh, we're so used to doing and going around and looking and seeing what, and <laughs> getting more information. And, <laughs> um, but the, the, it, it was an incredibly powerful time for everybody because we had the sense that there was, uh, there was an opening in space time and that that energy stayed there for people to access as, as they could. And I was the, in my morning meditation this morning, I felt it's still there and I felt I could connect into it. And that kind of work to me is really beautiful. It's many, many people around the world are doing that kind of thing. And it's all, it's nobody famous. It's just people in small groups. And uh, as the Dalai Lama says, you know, he, he says, I think of myself as one of the 7 billion people. Um, and thinking of yourself that way, the 7 billion people who are, some of whom are meditating and holding space for transformation and holding space for people to be healed from their traumas and all that stuff uh, is really inspires you to keep going. But you, you know, you have to believe it. But when you keep doing it, um, whether it's doing a simple journey or, or doing big world work, every time you do it, it's reaffirmed in all the spirit beings and all the living beings around the earth are really there with us. That There's a lot of support for us to find our human survival. And we have to be receptive. That's one of the big challenges to receive. Yes. Not a big deal in our Western culture to receive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it comes to awards and rewards, and <laughs> we are very open to receive. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you described this very beautifully. And for example, when, when I see spider nets, this is always for me like this kind of uh, remembering for me when I see spider nets and every, you know, every single part of the net is, is connected to all the others. And, and when, when there is a movement in this part, it's just, you know, it's ripple out into the whole net, but every part is kind of equal, you know, no part has more value than the other and and the spider is very reactive it just it it feels everything and for me it's really the yeah this kind of receptive um and 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 um hmm, co connected web of life this is really that the, the spider net is such a uh, such a very powerful uh, image for me uh, to always remember me of this of this kind of being you know as, as you describe image yes. um that when you talk about the web uh, vibrating mm. uh, i 
it makes me think that's one of the one of the great values of being silent and being present is that you can become much more attuned to the subtle vibrations. And those subtle vibrations are going through our bodies, into our hearts, between us. And there's a kind of flow in that that's really reassuring. I mean, we're, I mean, you and I are both in this work of connecting with the earth because culturally we're so cut off. And so it's all about finding, finding ways to reconnect and, and re-embody those connections. I just, I wanted to mention though, there maybe not all the listeners know, there's an old Vedic um, image that's called Indra's net. And Indra's net is used to describe uh, it, it's described as a web between all beings and each being is a jewel or a pearl in the net reflecting to every other being. And um, it actually, that image is exactly what scientists now understand is the filaments of connection between every single universe throughout the multiverse so that this net is endless and and finding yourself in that net feeling yourself in that net and experiencing it over and over is a fabulous way to to do that expansion and connection that we're talking about yes and so it's so relieving also it, it's yes I I I literally need I, I literally need the 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 or had the urge to breathe right now. <laughs> it's, it's really like oh letting go, you know, of this um, in our Western world of of this pressure. You know, we we have so much pressure. It's just insane. You know? <laughs> well, when you say that breathing, I you know, I go into my body and see how I've constricted just. You know, because we're we're partly using our minds, and every time I go into my mind, it it literally constricts my body. Using my mind to follow the conversation and to remember little bits or whatever. <laughs> so breathing then opens it all out again, and then it can just flow through you. So thank you. <laughs> yes, we'll all take a big breath together now. Yes really consciously connect with your breathing. Yes. This is anyway a very, very powerful way of, yeah, of, of, of connection and, and of, of also of, of uh, access to consciousness in a kind of sense and tapping into this kind of being being uh, in the present as you as you described earlier in the conversation very powerful way and also very ancient way and in in many 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 
mystical schools all over the ver world. Uh, breathing is a key element. Right. I'm, I'm flashing on the last time I was in Ecuador in the jungle a couple of years ago. What I was struck by was how people were doing stuff. They were farming, they were cooking, whatever. But there was a lot of hanging out. And it was hanging out with the attention very wide and the connections. So who knows what individuals were thinking, but there's a there's an expansiveness in that that's like breathing when you can be in a place where there's nothing particularly required of you. So then it's easier to be present with the pattern of the rain or the bark of the fox or whatever is in that larger world. So breathing is a is a way into it and and silence is a way into it. Uh, in this group I was telling you about, one of our practices is we get on Zoom and as soon as everybody's there, we do five minutes of silence. And it's been an incredibly powerful way for everybody to get grounded and present and focused all the other stuff in their lives drops away unless, you know, there's something really insane going on so that we can really be with each other. And it, it's made our work much more powerful together. So I, I highly recommend it. And it, because we know we're doing it and we get this space and we get, um, we're like listening for what are we supposed to do today? but we're also getting ourselves aligned and releasing stuff that doesn't belong. So everybody has their own practice and they're just able to do that and then be there and then see what's next. I had another thought, but I lost it, so. Then it wasn't important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, silence is indeed very powerful. It, it allows you also to, to tap into the And your other senses you have, not on, only just your five senses, but all the other senses you have, you really can tap in, into them very powerfully. And it is very interesting because we have this, this Zoom culture or this uh, connection through the ether space. It kind of helps us actually to 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 tap into that or to 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 train that you know this kind of connection through this ether space it it, it triggers something it's very interesting because it's so much technology driven but it also it, it's it's really it's a kind of tool also for for enhancement or or maybe for yeah kind of expansion of our of our being 
I think this, in my perception, is really interesting. Yeah. Well, in my experience, it varies with groups and with people. Hmm. I'm noticing between you and me, we've never spoken. We've never looked at each, you know, we've communicated through other ethers. But, <laughs> but there's there's definitely an expansion and spaciousness happening. So when you say taking a breath and we both step into that and the the field gets bigger. And so the field, the energy field is is allowing more, not more. It's allowing what's really important to come forth uh, without any particular agenda other than we're talking about connection with the earth and yeah. spirit. And I really appreciate that. And I'm in some groups where people are not able to do that. Mm. They don't slow down enough so they carry all their stuff and you know they kind of stay separate, which is very discouraging to me. But <laughs> so that's one of the reasons that um, coherence and how to create coherence has become a big topic for me as I've experienced really through the Zoom culture, what happens in one group versus another group, what happens with clients, what happens in your family, uh, and of course, what's going on in the world with all the dissension and, and othering that's, that's happening. Um, learning how to be coherent, which is a kind of at-oneness in ourselves, of course requires presence and heart, is a tool that uh, gives us the possibility of much more connection, much more expansiveness, and much more unity. And in that in that kind of field, instead of going to, oh, I wanna you know, promote my business or promote my book or whatever, um, we're just being with what needs to happen in the world. Yeah, without any agenda, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> And also, you know, uh, you as a as a shamanic guide and 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 the being who is, yeah, who is on a journey, I guess, since childhood. <laughs> um, you you have you have this connection to the cyclicity of of everything. Um, I mean, in, in for example, in the Western culture, we we lost that. We are we are so linear. There's there's a beginning and there's a clear end, and there is this straight, you know, this straight line and uh, <laughs> and uh, this 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 bumping up and down and, and going around and whatever is not really <laughs> is not really the goal of this of this uh, whole uh, thing. So this cyclicity and also maybe also 
to step back to two steps and then step forth again it's it's mm. also kind of yeah very unusual for for most western western people so in your experience the connection to nature how does this um nourish this kind of, of 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 cyclical being again or this awareness that everything is a kind of in a kind of cycle um i don't want to exactly talk about nourishment i, I want to start with how do you get connected to these cycles and for me mm -hmm. it was i mean i always love the full moon but when i started watching all the phases of the moon and using a really simple, uh, I guess it's a formula, really. Mm. Um, as the moon, when the moon is new, it's a time for new beginnings. As the moon moves to fullness over two weeks, um, that growth, just like it helps uh, plants grow in different ways, there's a whole theory about that, mm. um, that moving toward fullness can help us as individuals grow an idea or, or a practice or a, an intent um, and be conscious of that every day for two weeks. Hmm. Then as the, as the moon wanes, it can be a time of letting go. And I, I like pretty simple rhythms like that. But doing that over the years and consciously working with the moon um, to feed what I was trying to do in my life was one of the ways that I attuned much more deeply to that cyclicalness. Mm. Um, now I live in an oak woodland and so I'm attuned to it through the rhythms of the oak trees really. Uh, they're they're the dis deciduous ones are the leaves are getting golden they're falling uh going all over the yard um then they'll be bare and that's that's a whole different visual thing and then they'll they'll leaf and and uh, one year i remember you know california doesn't have too much of a winter but one year i remember in february it was warm one week and then nothing was really leafing for a while. And my whole body was, was just yearning for that bursting <laughs> forth to come. Um, so the, as you tune into that, your, your body, uh, you feel it in your body. And of course, women have the rhythm of their cycle, um, but that's very problematical in the West because it's not, it's not honored. We don't get to stop doing when, when we have cramps. Uh, we don't have any ritual, most of us don't have any rituals for going into seclusion like many indigenous cultures did. And so we're just supposed to power through, mm. which is the opposite of, of cycles. Mm. Uh, and that reminds me when my daughter was little, I was a consultant in Silicon Valley. So here I have this baby. And then I'm going in my quasi suit to talk to engineers and managers and stuff. And the, the uh, 
the dissonance between those two worlds was so extreme. <laughs> I thought I was going to go out of my mind. One time I had a dream where I was sitting waiting for an interview and I, I looked down and I was wearing a pink robe. <laughs> and, and that totally tuned me into it. So I, I, being aware of the dissonance, then I could attend to it more. Yeah. So one of the things I did was, I mean, when she was very young and just in the rhythm of feeding, that was, it was just two worlds. But as she got older, when I would leave work and drive to pick her up from school, I often did Mongolian overtone chanting because it totally changed, it, you know, it cleared my mind the vibrations went into my body and it, it helped me totally shift into that other reality, that other cycle. Hmm. And so that those kinds of practices to shift from one thing to another, which is the essence of shamanism, you're stepping between worlds, mm -hmm. but you can't always do journeys and stuff. So you need practices that are yes. just accessible in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I, 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 I answered the question about cycles, but <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> of course, you did. And anyway, I don't have any expectations. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when when you talk about uh, tools and 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 ways, I, I'd love that you share one or two tools that are very easy and accessible for for people who are um kind of bound in in certain um structures um or circumstances or whatever okay well these come from the andes and they're not they're things that people do uh it, it's so enculturated that uh, it's not written, it's barely even spoken about, it just is. Mm. So I got them translated from my teacher and, and have used them for a long time. So one of the things we're talking about breath, so that's a good one because we're always breathing, right? So we know we can stop and take a big breath and kind of become more aware when uh, when there's any kind of density or heaviness, one practice is to consciously breathe that out through your throat, you know, intend to let go of the density. It might be sadness, it might be frustration, it might be anger, it doesn't matter what it is, it's just dense energy. So you breathe it out and then you breathe in fresh air. And you breathe it out and you breathe in fresh air. And when you get practiced at that, it becomes an automatic thing of, um, it's not denying, but it's letting go of the energy that you're carrying and transforming the energy by taking in fresh air. And doing that allows you to come back to the present moment. Um, I use all the elements, so I'll tell, I'll share the, 
the one with the sun. With the sun, you breathe the same kind of whatever dense energy you have, heavy energy, out from your heart into the sun. So imagine the sun, and you can do it with a fire too, but the sun is pretty much always there. So the sun is this incredibly hot star. It burns everything up that comes into its uh, sphere. So if I, when I breathe out my sadness into this and gift it to the sun, and I breathe back in the transformative power and the heat of the sun into my heart, there's a flow that starts happening, an exchange that happens, and a transformation that happens. So when that practice, when I'm familiar with that practice, and obviously it doesn't take very long to become familiar with it, it, it really happens automatically when I need to let go of something. So I can be driving and somebody tries to cut me off and I get pissed off and I do that to shift my attention again. Or I can do it with something more, um, more deep. Um, in a related thing coming back, circling back around to the heart, when my daughter was having, she was living away from home and she was having a lot of difficulty and she and I were not very aligned. One day I had this, I guess, inspiration. Oh, I should practice being in my heart when she comes. So when I knew she was coming over for dinner, I would consciously go into my heart and really settle there so when I greeted her, I was consciously greeting her from my heart. Hmm. I was letting, putting aside all of my worries and, oh, you should do it this way and all the things that mothers do. And I felt incredibly better. And what I noticed was it very much transformed our relationship very quickly. And I knew that my being in my heart meant that she did not feel attacked anymore or accosted or she wasn't doing it right or whatever she was feeling. We, we experienced those things in different ways. And, I, and so that practice of just allowing the love to be the central thing uh, was hugely transformative. I don't always stay there, but it's still a key shifting, a key way of shifting. And I can, you know, it can be very minute. I mean, all you listeners out there have these things happen all the time. You go into your kid's room and there's junk all over the floor or there's a box of candy when they're overweight or they have 10 cups of molding tea or whatever. <laughs> so those, seeing those things can make us fall into the, the parenting, you know, don't do that kind of thing and hassling the person. But shifting 
into what's really important is that I love my kid and I want to support my kid and honor my kid on their path. That allows you to not say anything. Now, it's different when they're eight and 14 than mm. when they're 25 or 35, but it's still that process. So those are really simple ways of doing this. Yes, very simple ways. And it reminds me very much of the these Taoist traditions, uh, like this purification breath, for example. You breathe in the, the, the energy of nature and you breathe out all that you want to let go of any kind. So it's really this kind of, you, you do it anyway with, the, with all plants that are uh, uh, producing oxy oxygen, we breathe in and, and they breathe the carbon dioxide, we breathe out. So we are anyway in this kind of cycle with, the, with all uh, green plants. But you can, as you said, you can do it on a, on a deeper level. You can do it really kind of on a, on a very, yeah. On a... Yes, like, like you said, we're always breathing. Yes. And if you breathe more consciously. Yes. Breathing yes. more consciously, yes. you know, it doesn't take a lot of energy to breathe more consciously. It just Yes, that's true. It takes intent, and intent is really important. Yes. Do I want to stay in my funk, yeah. or do I want to let it go? Yes, that's really a key key element, a very important step, yes, in... in, in reflection and, and self-work and all these kind of yeah, yeah things yeah wonderful and i i guess you you share all these kind of very practical valuable and and very powerful ways in your book i think you you share more than 80 ways of 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 uh transformative tools right right it's probably too many but i figure people are going to pick and choose yes Yes. So like with my clients, I ask them which element they like best. Mm. I teach them to work with that element. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because everybody has an element that they relate to more than the others. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of choice thing. It doesn't, doesn't matter which one. It's yes. more like what works for you. It's yes. all about functionality here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also choice and, and, and attraction and, and, and resonance also. I mean, it doesn't make any sense when you do something that you don't resonate with. It just creates right. more tension that you want <laughs> you want to let go of the tension. <laughs> right. so I, was, that, I was with somebody the other day and they, I don't know, writing came up and I told them the title of my book, Weave the Heart of the Universe into Your Life. And they yes. said, well, that's deep. And it is deep, but, you know, we're the universe. The universe is yes. in us. Yes, we are a small, small um, um, a kind of small version of the universe, you know, this kind but of... But we're also the whole universe. Yeah, we yeah. are the whole we universe. That's true. That's true. Yes. We are kind of... Um, uh, how, is, how is this? Um, fractal, you know, we are kind of yeah. fractal of, of, yeah. of the whole. Yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah, wonderful. So um, how can people get in touch with you when they'd like to, to uh, book you as a mentor or coach or guide? And where can so I have a, I people have a get website. your book? Hmm. I have a website, megbeeler.com. Hmm? And 
anybody in the world can sign up for a free call. You know, if you're out of the States, we do Zoom. If you're in the States, we do by phone. Mm-hmm. We all get tired of being on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a service that I do for people. They can ask any kind of question or, or you know, you might not know anything about shamanism, but uh, you, you're sort of drawn to it and you're not sure what to do with it. So we just talk, you know, what does this person want? How can I help them? How can they get to where they want to be? And, and so that's, that's the kind of beginning. And the book is on Amazon and in bookstores. I don't know about in Europe, how many books, I know it's in some bookstores and you can order it from bookstores, but um, I'm not sure how widespread. So that the name of that again is weave the heart of the universe into your life. Wonderful. And uh, you know, if you're really good, you can just contact me through the through the ozone. <laughs> yes, or through the dream space. <laughs> or <through> the dreams, <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. But, uh, thank you very much for this very insightful and uh, relaxed and. Yeah, kind of joyful conversation we had. Well, thank you. It's it's you know, this is this is how I wish I could spend all my time having wonderful, expansive conversations with people and joyful conversations. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Plum Serpent Podcast. When you like this show, you can leave a message on our anchor site, share this podcast, or simply tell a friend about it. You might also become a member on my Patreon site, Plump Serpent, where I offer you some valuable bonus content to deepen your connection with nature and yourself. And I appreciate when you tune in next week for our next episode. May the magic of the Plump Serpent be with you.